Hi, I'm Rafael Esarn, and you're listening to the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. Not joined by anyone this week. I'm by myself, at least for this segment, as uh, everyone's busy this week and, and stuff's going on. So it'll be a bit of a shorter episode. And, and we, besides news, there's not too much to talk about anyway. So we'll just have two segments this week, um, or, or at least two big segments. I'll probably do a wrap-up segment at the end. Uh, but first segment, we have some news to discuss, which I'll get to in a moment. And then uh, the second segment, uh, I'll be having a conversation with someone from another podcast that we've gotten to know, the uh, Robin is Racing podcast. Uh, one of their uh, people will be coming on the show for me to interview them so and talk about them and talk about the season as well. So that should be a good time that's coming up. In the next segment, but first of all, we have some pretty big news. In fact, as I'm recording this on Tuesday the 7th at at 5.30 Eastern Time, some pretty big news just dropped an hour or so ago, and, and, you know, maybe two hours, I guess, at this point. Last week, as it typically happens, big news dropped after we recorded, and so Eric and I didn't get a chance to talk about this, but... Less than 24 hours after we got together to record last week's episode, which was phenomenal. Go check it out. We talked to Save the Speedway. Lots of discussion. We finished our tournament. It was was a lot of fun. But um, GMS, or or, uh, Richard Petty Motorsports, rather, announced that they were selling their charters to GMS Racing, and and that merger became official today. It's not a straight sell. It's that uh, Andrew Merstein, the... um, who works with Medallion Bank and Medallion Financial, who have been on the car sometime this sometimes this year. He's been the main owner for Richard Petty Motorsports for a decade and mostly bankrolled by the bank. And so he wanted out, and so he sold his stake in the two charters Richard Petty Motorsports owns, their 43 charter and then the 51 charter, which Rick Ware Racing has been using for a couple of years. Uh, they sold that to GMS, and GMS didn't have a charter already. They were planning on running the 94 car for Ty Dillon this year, the, the or 94 Camaro in their, in their inaugural season next year, but uh, they didn't have a charter secured yet, and, and many assumed that they would be buying one from Rick Ware or, or leasing one from Spire, something like that, but they go out and buy two charters, which uh, I don't think many people saw coming, nor did they see Petty... Richard Petty Motorsports leaving, but at the same time, they Petty will stay in the sport. The 43 car, this was announced today, 43 car with Eric Jones is staying. They still have all their sponsors. It's basically that car is taking over new ownership. And what's really fascinating, and, and it, this was what was, was announced today at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in a press conference, it's being the, the teams are almost kind of merging becoming Petty GMS Motorsports, which when you think about it is Petty Gallagher Motorsports Motorsports because GMS is Gallagher Motorsports, basically. So I don't know if they thought that one through, but Petty GMS Motorsports, I think it should be Petty Gallagher, but uh, we'll move on. 
two-card team with Ty Dillon, Eric Jones. Eric Jones in the Focus Factor 43, that, that big sponsorship deal they announced a couple weeks ago. And Eric Jones, or Eric Jones, Ty Dillon, who was supposed to be in the 94 for GMS, that's not going to be the 94 anymore. Instead, it's going to be the 42 car, but with the Richard Petty font. It looks beautiful, the 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 design that they put out, the, the test car, if you will, that they put out looks amazing. I love it. And it'll be really cool to see the 42 staying in NASCAR and going back to Petty, which was where it originated really before uh, Ganassi started using it. But just a, a really good looking car. And I think this is a good team, too. They seem to have a lot of money, a lot of commitment to, to developing, and they have two good drivers with Having Eric Jones and Ty Dillon, Ty Dillon especially helps them get a strong RCR alliance this season. I think they'll be as good or better than Trackhouse performed in the 2021 season. So I think it's really good that Petty's staying in the sport. I think that's an iconic name. You need the 43 with that font to stay in the sport. And, and so that's good to see. I, I was worried for a little bit that it would go. Uh, but but he's sticking around. I think he'll stick around until he passes away, probably, because um, he's in his 80s. He probably has another few years, another decade or so of ownership. And so, and, and he's just a minority owner at this point, anyway. But uh, overall, it's it's a great move for that team, and and it'll be exciting to see how things are how things go going forward. Um, some other big news, and this is not NASCAR related, but. Formula One is entering its final race this weekend at uh, Abu Dhabi. Um, it is this weekend, yes, at Abu Dhabi. And uh, it'll be, man, it was a fantastic, fantastic race. Or fantastic if you're a Mercedes fan, that is. Uh, on Sunday, going into the race, uh, Lewis Hamilton trailed Max Verstappen in the in the championship points, but starting off the race, uh, Hamilton and his Mercedes teammate, Valtteri Bottas, Bottas uh, secured, locked out the front row with uh, Verstappen starting third. Um, and Hamilton got out to a really big lead, and it looked like he would be cruising to a win. If not for a slew of incidents and crashes, the first one being Mick Schumacher crashing, going out of the race, causing it to be red flag, which allowed Verstappen to pit under the safety car, which all the rest of the field had not been able to, or at least Hamilton was not able. He had pitted before the incident, and so he gained a lot of track position. He restarted in the lead, and from that point on, on the ensuing restart after the red flag was lifted, another massive crash happened involving Nikita Mazepin, uh, George Russell, and Sergio Perez, all causing all three of those cars to leave the race, putting the race under another red flag. And when it finally resumed, Verstappen got out to a really big lead with uh, Esteban Ocon in third, which was great to see in, in the Alpine. Um, but Verstappen, his lead was slowly dwindling throughout the race. Hamilton was running him down. Um, and at one point, at, at a certain point, Hamilton or er, er, Red Bull gave Verstappen the, the ultimatum to strategically let Hamilton pass them so that they could get DRS and, and uh, follow him for a little bit until the end of the race. And as he was trying to do this, as Verstappen was slowing down to let him by, 
Hamilton ran into the back of Verstappen. And if you followed F1 this season, you know who's getting penalized here. It's not Hamilton. Verstappen gets penalized, 10-second penalty, and uh, because apparently Hamilton got damaged and he couldn't avoid a car uh, who was trying to give him the lead. Um, and, and Mercedes goes and winds, and I know I'm ranting a little bit here, but and, and, and so Hamilton, of course, drops like three seconds behind Verstappen, and, and you think it's over, but apparently Mercedes gets the FIA to to tell to give Max Verstappen a penalty, tell him that he has to give the spot back. And from that point, it was game over and, and Hamilton wins the race. Um, and then after that, the, the FIA piled on giving Verstappen another penalty, a 10 second penalty to his finishing position, which ultimately did not affect how he finished, but it leaves, it, it leaves the championship points tied. That's right, tied at 369 and a half points going into the final race, which is just who needs playoffs when you have this happen? This is a complete season-long points point system. And lo and behold, you have a championship race at the end. Now, granted, this is the first time it's been this close since like the 70s, I read. For, for Formula One. So maybe it's not going to happen every year, but this is a phenomenal championship battle. No matter how angry I am at the FIA for, for uh, playing favorites with Mercedes, but, you know, it'll be fantastic to see basically whoever finishes higher, whoever finishes higher this Sunday will win the race or win the championship. And there's only one scenario for if they tie and if they tie Verstappen, will um, will get the championship because he has more wins. Um, so if they either neither of them finish in the top ten, or if one finishes ninth and the other finishes tenth with the fastest lap, that would also leave them tied. But um, either way, it'll be a thrilling finish. A thrilling battle because they'll probably be battling up front as well. And honestly, as much as I want Verstappen to win, I feel like this is Hamilton's to lose because he has all the momentum. He has FIA, FIA by his side. He has the experience of past championship battles. He's had seven championship battles. This is Verstappen's first. And so he, Verstappen, he's going to have a tough hill to climb. It's going to be a challenge to get back up there. But, you know, I think it'll be a fantastic battle. But I think Hamilton will come out on top, uh, which uh, just go watch it. Even if you're not an F1 fan, I, I think this is a great race for motorsports in general. This is this is as good as it gets. An authentic winner-take-all race. Not manufactured like NASCAR does it. And you've heard us rant on this show many, many times as to how much we dislike the format. But this is authentic. No point system shenanigans or anything. And it it's phenomenal. How, how can you ask for more to end a fantastic Formula One season? So with that being said, there's not much other news. Um, Chris Wright will drive the, the 44 car for, for or truck for Nice Motorsports. Uh, this past week, the 
Most popular drivers were announced for the top three series. Of course, Chase Elliott gets it. No surprise there. Haley Deegan got the truck series. Most popular driver. Also, no surprise there. And Justin Allgaier wins the Xfinity Series award, which I think is his third time in a row as well. So not really any, any surprises for most popular driver in the Xfinity Series, but that's worth a mention. And... Um, not really anything else. There's rumors that Quinn Hauff could be starting his own Xfinity team. There's uh, Joey Gase has announced that he's starting his own Xfinity team. And so other than that, it's been a slow, other than the, the stuff already that I talked about with GMS, it's been a pretty slow news week. So with that being said, we'll move on to our second segment in which I'll talk with uh, the guys from, from the Rubin is racing podcast. We'll talk over the season, how, uh, share stories for podcasting stuff and, and more. So should be really good. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. So that's coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Connor is not joining me this week, but very excited to have Matt from the Ramblin' About Racing podcast. I got that wrong in the first segment. It's Ramblin', not whatever else I said. But uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, Ethan. Thanks for having me on your show. Really do appreciate it. All right. That, that's, it's, it's really cool to get to do this, to, to collaborate with you guys. We'll get right, right started with the, with the interview, and then we'll get into some questions, maybe some discussion about some of the, the state of NASCAR, some of the news that's been happening this last week. So when did you start your podcast? We started in, I want to say October, 2019, right towards the end of that season. It was actually funny. My friend and I, Preston, were both firefighters and he's about the only guy I could talk to about NASCAR at work. Everybody else kind of just, you know, makes fun of it. You know how typically it happens at in work settings that you just, you have those couple NASCAR fans off to the side. And one day we had the bright idea since we like talking about it so much, we were going to start a podcast. And originally the podcast was called uh, in the marbles. So we would, uh, it, it was a cool sounding name. We really did like it. And yeah, we've been doing it ever since then mostly weekly, but now uh, we're going to start uh, kind of taking it easy here in the off season and taking care of other things. But yeah, it's been going on since uh, late 2019. What do you guys focus on? I know I've checked you guys out. It seems that you're a little bit broader in, in your racing uh, coverage, I guess, that you discuss more F1 and IndyCar than we typically do. But is that correct? What what all do you cover? Yeah, we cover really the big three major racing sanctioning bodies as far as uh, Formula One, Indy, and NASCAR. Not so much Indy because we don't really know much about it. We try to stay on top of it as much as we can. In fact, we had Connor Daly on at the start of season three, which was a really cool episode. If you want to go check that out, Connor Daly was nice enough to join us, but yeah, uh, Preston is known as the formula one guy of the show. And I'm the NASCAR guy of the show. We're trying to find the IndyCar guy. So holding off open auditions, if anybody wants a job, but yeah, we just talk everything. We just really talk racing from the local short tracks all the way up to NASCAR formula one. We just like talking racing. When, like, have you always had interest in podcasting or journalism and stuff like that? Because, like, Connor and I both plan on on 
trying to get into that field for a career. So this is kind of viewed by me, especially as, as practice almost in, in some ways, but did you ever have that, that draw to it before? Not until we started the podcast and it was one of those things where I know I never really knew what a podcast was until I started getting into the the pre-production of our show and I would buy equipment and it would sound really horrible because I didn't know what kind of microphone to use. But over the couple of years that we've been doing the show, we've upgraded. We're starting that we were on YouTube, but then that takes a lot of editing. So we're taking a hiatus from that. So it's just a big learning curve and it's, but it's been a fun journey, but I've never been into podcasting or journalism whatsoever. We kind of do this just as a fun hobby and if we if Preston and I were to make money one day and actually we have a third co-host Charlie who races in South Alabama in a cup in a cup life series local short track series there if it ever makes money one day that's great but if not it's a, it's still a fun hobby to do that's kind of the same perspective Connor and I have with it where it's like sure it would be really cool to get sponsorship and for it to to blow up and be really popular but mostly it's just like you said earlier, to, to kind of not vent, but there's not many people to talk about it with. And, and it's right. a good time each week to just break everything down. So uh, I totally agree with you on that. Who are your guys' favorite drivers? Well, I can tell you for one, Preston is was a huge Paul Menard fan. He loved Paul Menard. And now since he retired, I guess he would be a Matt Benedetto fan. But now he's going away. I think he's probably leaning towards Alex Bowman. Uh, Charlie, he is a big Chase Elliott fan. He was a big Dale Jr. fan, but me, I, I like Kozlowski. I like Brad Kozlowski and interested to see what he's going to do with, over there at, with his new partnership with Roush here in the next season is, is that's going to be exciting. He's going to be in a historic, another historic car in that six car, but, uh, yeah, Kozlowski would probably be my favorite driver. If not him, I, I really don't have one. I just enjoy the sport so much. It's tough to pull for one guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like there's, it's almost like you're more rooting against guys at this point than yeah. rooting for a specific guy. Yeah. So, and I, I'd say if I had a root against anybody, it would be definitely Lewis Hamilton on the formula one side mm-hmm. and chase Elliott on the NASCAR side. Because, you know, I just always go against a popular driver. I wasn't a big Dale Jr. fan whatsoever when he was racing. I'd always boo him. <laughs> you know, it was just pretty fun. You know, I don't like this. I don't, it's like, you know, like you said, you just have those one, those specific drivers you just have people rooting against and that you just love rooting against. And that would be mine is Chase Elliott and Lewis Hamilton on the Formula One side. You got to have someone to hate. What yeah. was. What was the first, what's your first NASCAR memory and what was the first race you attended? Well, my first NASCAR memory was actually what had got me into the sport. We took a mystery church trip with my youth group up to Silicon Motor Speedway. You remember those indoor full motion simulators at the malls? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, well, we went there and the only drivers I knew at the time were Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon, the biggest drivers in the early 2000s late 90s that I could think of and I got into Jeff Gordon's car and we raced Daytona and I won I said let me give this a go I'm gonna watch the Daytona 500 coming up they were Fox was brand new on this scene really hyping it up so I decided to check it out and 
the first race I watched from flag to flag was the Daytona 500 in 2001 where Earnhardt was killed. And ever since then, I've just slowly been getting into it. As far as 2001, 2002, I was a little more, okay, this is the schedule. This is what's going on. But yeah, that's what really got me into the sport of NASCAR. And my first race was in 2003 at Atlanta, the spring race, and Bobby Labonte won that race. That's a, that's a very interesting. Did, um, did the events of the, the Daytona 500, did that impact how you viewed it? Like, I, I can't imagine, like, I don't really, I think the first race I really paid attention to was the 2013 500. And it's like, how did the events of that race impact your feelings for the sport well I, I know when i first saw it that, that was the same race as everybody recalls that tony stewart flipped down the backstretch and at that time that was the most that was the craziest wreck i've ever seen as far as a stock car and thinking man if he's not hurt with that it's tough to get hurt in that and then earnhardt just kind of bumped the wall from what it looked like but he had a earnhardt had a uh, a reputation about him even for the non-nascar fans I feel like the Earnhardt was the indestructible, untouchable one. And when it, when I found out he was killed in that, it's like, how, you know? So, it, but it really showed me a side of NASCAR that I never expected to see, like how much devotion people have to one driver, whether it be Gordon, Earnhardt, you name it, Tony Stewart, and even drivers now, just the loyalty they have to that individual whom they probably will never meet, but they're, feel like they're racing for him or that individual. So that really opened my eyes to this isn't just a bunch of rednecks driving in circles, chasing each other. It, it was a little more to it than that. And that's what really stuck me to the sport and just knowing that there was more to it than just driving circles, you know? Yeah. What uh, you, you mentioned earlier, um, Jerry Nadu, you mentioned, um, Connor Daly, what are some, who all have you gotten to talk to on your podcast? Quite a bit. And um, I'm very proud with uh, the Jerry Nadu episode. I'm going to actually give a shout out to another podcast that we you uh, talk about with. I started that again so we can edit that. Oh, you're not live, I take it. No. <laughs> we can edit that out, I'm sure. We actually um, got Jerry Nadu with a, uh, another podcast through another podcast called a uh, blind spotting nascar podcast some guy uh three guys in mooresville who i've grown to very close to over the past year with doing podcasts and they hooked me up with jerry nadu but we've also had amber slagle brian barnhill chris hacker jesse awuji josh rayu kyle summers who's a short track driver up there i believe in indiana owen smith who's an arca driver and steven mazali I hope I'm not butchering that. It's tough. I heard that once, but he's a developmental driver for Ray Yoon's brothers racing. So yeah, we've, we've had, we've been fortunate to have quite a number of good inter, uh, drivers come on. And then we've had saved the speedway on as well. We got so, to talk to him too. Yeah. That was, really, that, that was really interesting to talk to. I'm glad their, their effort into restoring that speedway and putting that, at the forefront of Wilkesboro has really come full circle for them. I'm really proud of that. But yeah, we've, we've been fortunate enough to do it, to talk to a lot of people. A lot of stuff has fallen through, but that's just life. You know, you can't expect everyone to 
drop what they're doing and come on a low budget podcast. And if, if it's not the Dale Jr. download, you know? Yeah. So and yeah, we've, we've been very fortunate to have all the, a lot of people come on and just learn about their life. And the, the Jerry Nadu one was a really cool one. To be, to be perfectly honest, I think that was the top one that I've, we've had so far was Jerry Nadu. That, that sounds like I, I have, not found time to listen to that. I, I definitely want to go listen to it because just hearing him on the download was really interesting. When that was like this summer, right? What yeah, that? that was this summer. But it was funny when he when he went on the Dale Junior. Download. It's like listening to a replay of my interview with him. It's like, oh, okay, well, I've heard all this before. So it was really cool to hear that and still talk to Jerry from time to time. He, he's a good guy, and it was one of those things too. I remember watching him in the early 2000s race and just thinking how cool it would be to talk to this guy one day and through this podcast it's given me that opportunity and, and then drivers like jesse wuji who's now starting his xfinity team with emmett smith how cool is that so it's just cool to know these people and know know a few people in the industry where you could reach out to them from time to time not bug them but say hey thinking of you you're doing good good things keep up the good work and they respond back they were nice enough to respond back if you could, if you had like a guaranteed, you know, you had a card, basically you could turn in and, and you could turn that in for an interview with whoever you wanted and they couldn't say no and they, they would willingly do it. So it was a good interview, not like a, like, okay, like they're forced to do it right. If you could pick anyone to interview on your show, who would you pick? Just one. <laughs> Just one. Just one. I would say, and I'm envious with you guys on this one, Alan Bestwick. Alan Bestwick, uh, I, I watched, I listened to him and watched him growing up with uh, NBC and ESPN. A really great commentator, kept the action and kept you focused on what was going on. And he did great in the SRX series. Alan Bestwick, I think, would be probably the uh, winner on that one. Yeah, Bestwick, he, he was just amazing. I, I think that's the most I've ever listened to anything that, the podcast has put out. I typically I don't like to listen to most of the episodes, but the Bestwick one I've listened to many, many times since then because it's just I, I still can't believe we managed to to get that one. Yeah, and and really good one. And I it's just one of the I again I'm watching him in the early 2000s call like the 2001 Pepsi 400. You still remember what he said because he's he said he was so elegant in NASCAR and an indie card for that matter, and in the SRX. He's such a good overround color commentator. He knows the sport. That would probably be my number one. If I had to pick anybody for an interview, it would be Alan Bestwick. That reminds me. He's he also he's called tennis. He's called basketball. I think he said he's like he does, he's the the head announcer for UConn basketball. He's also, I don't know how much you follow football, but about five or six years ago, there was this, like, you know, when they do the, the lateral play on the last play of the game. Yeah. Um, there, if you remember correctly, there's a college football game between Duke and Miami that they actually pulled it off. I don't recall the specific play you're talking about. I'm an Alabama fan. So no. Anyway, you know, but anyway, <laughs> is this iconic 
iconic college football moment that I, I remember watching and seeing as a kid. Alan Bestwick called that. So he's called everything, which was just really cool as a, just as a general sports fan too, just to get to talk to this great right. historic, historic announcer. Yeah. SRX made a home run, hit a home run happening in, in the announcer booth, which was made it even more enjoyable for that series. Exactly. I can't wait for that to come back. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Before we, before I let you go, a couple of big news things recently. Um, GMS and Petty basically uh, merging basically is what it's become. What are your thoughts on that? What do you think this team could do in the next couple of years? I don't think they're going to win any championships anytime soon. I don't think they're a championship caliber team, but what I think it does is give a little bit more of a, Hey, can you help me out with this? Petty Enterprise has been a one car team forever. As far as I can remember, just a one car team. Maybe with two with Kyle Petty in there when he was driving, but really in, in the sense it's been a one car team for a while. And and the merger, I think, will do nothing but help both both organizations. But I think you're not gonna see them run up front unless something miraculous happens and they figure out the Gen 7 car before anybody else, before like a Joe Gibbs or Hendrick. But I, I think they're gonna use utilize more resources in order to put together better results. Year, especially with Eric Jones and his, I guess, intelligence of the racing, being able to bring that team together and push it forward. And Ty Dillon, too, you know, Ty is an underrated driver, in my opinion. I think the most important person in, in this merger is Ty Dillon, and that's yeah. because of the RCR relationship, because that team's going to get a lot of help from RCR. So I don't think they'll have as many grow, growing pains as a team. Personally, my prediction is that they're going to be like track house was last year, maybe a little bit better, just yeah. consistent. Some races, some others um, competitive uh, occasionally enough to make you enough to, to seem, I think track house had a great first season enough to, yeah, to really, really build did. on. Oh yeah, they really did. And now they got Chip, Chip Ganassi's, name and cars and Kurt Busch coming over. I mean, they got, a, oh, no, that's 2311. You, you know, um, but yeah, track house racing is going to do great, but I look at this merger kind of like what Denny Hamlin's team is doing just in 2311, speaking of 2311, just because you have a merger with a big name team like Richard Petty and RCR doesn't necessarily mean you're going to perform well. I mean, we were, I, I think I could speak for everybody when I thought Bubba Wallace would have been doing a whole lot better. I call him to win a race and getting himself in the playoffs. I, I mean, although he won a race this season, you know, but I think with Kurt Busch coming over there to 23-11, that's either going to expose the team for not being up to par with Joe Gibbs racing and or expose Bubba Wallace as not being a top-of-the-line driver like everybody says, and I know I'm kind of, going down the rabbit hole based on your original question, but it's just kind of same thing with mergers. We'll have to yeah. wait and see. Yeah. It'll be next year's just going to be so interesting, especially the first 10 races or so before they get things sorted out. I mean, we can easily have 10 different winners and I think that's exciting and also concerning at the same time, because if so, if it, by, by making things spec mostly, I think it makes makes the the makes it more competitive, but you also lose something, and it's hard to quantify what that something is. But I, I'm 
I don't know about you, but I, I feel excited and also worried about the next gen car. Well, I, I think I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I grew up. I, I started watching racing when the template game was still in effect, where if your car fit the template, you're good. And if you go, if anybody happens to go to the Hendrick Museum there in Concord, right by the Charlotte Motor Speedway, you could look at Jimmy Johnson's championship winning car from I think 2007. I think he won that championship that year, but it was it was a championship winning car. And what Chad Knauss and the body guys did to that car was beautiful. You could see the concaves from the front fender all the way down the passenger side door and everything just concaved perfectly to fit the Homestead Speedway. And I, I miss that. I miss the body guys aerodynamically putting hours and days and weeks into one car one component of the car, let's say the fender and being able to turn that much more downforce on that car. And I miss those days, but uh, to your point, I, I think NASCAR is putting the teams in the box with not being able to do anything suspension, not merely suspension wise, but with the body, with the, them getting their, it's pretty much a kit car in a sense. They're going to be sent to components and put it together in race. And I yeah. think that takes I think that takes away ingenuity. I think that takes away the cleverness of the some of the teams. Because if you mess with the roll cage now, they're gonna find out about it just based on how it's delivered. But I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, I don't want NASCAR to fail, I don't want this car to fail, but you know, I'm kind of with you there. It's like we'll have to wait and see to Daytona. You know, I could care less about the Coliseum, but really one the Daytona 500 and the season kicks off. I think that's when we're going to be able to determine more. Yeah. All right. And before we go, of course, pro promote yourself. What, where can you find your podcast? Where, where do you want people to go look and, and stuff like that? You could go to, uh, we're available on all major podcast platforms. If you head over to our website, ramblingaboutracing.com, you'll have links to all of our social media presences such as facebook twitter instagram youtube you can look up our episodes you could look up our guests and listen to their episodes directly from that page you can watch our youtube videos you can visit our stores at teespring and bonfire which will also be in the links in the podcast description uh yeah rambling about racing.com on facebook rambling racing pod on twitter and rambling about racing on instagram and that's where you can find us and um we're also part of the uh, Belly Up Sports Network in collaboration with uh, Chairgating over there. Haven't really worked together much, but we're the secondary racing show on that network and the uh, and, uh, Unhinged Sports Network, which is an online radio, sports radio station that we started about a year ago. You guys from Florida and myself jumped on that. And uh, yeah, so that's where you can find us. That's where you, the best places to look is the ramblingaboutracing.com. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome to, to talk to you and get to know you. And and yeah, anything, any final thoughts, I guess? Yeah, just uh, thank you for having me on. Thanks for taking the time to allow me on your podcast. I always like working with um, other NASCAR podcasts, other racing podcasts. I feel like we're such a small community in such a specific, tar specifically targeted community that I, I love having and talking racing with anybody. So I can definitely sit here for hours and talk about racing with you. I know we don't have hours, but uh, 
yeah, I just love doing it. I appreciate you reaching out and having me on your show and hope to do it again sometime. Awesome. Thank you. We'll definitely promote you, pr- promote the heck out of your show when this goes up. And, and thank you so much again for coming on. No, thanks again for having me. All right. Coming up next. Uh, actually, there's nothing coming up next because it's only two segments this week. So uh, uh, enjoy the outro, I guess, uh, when uh, we come back from the break.